Come on. Love that. Do you want to know? I came and put my uh, device up here, and then I thought to myself, you're standing in front of the screen. Because <laughs> Manurewa, we have them on the side, so you got no problem coming up early. But I was like standing here, I was like... So I quietly went over there. I just wanted to honour Frosty and Darcy. It would have been very easy for them to just um, say that Darcy wasn't feeling very well. But um, the fact that you came up here with authenticity and transparency and shared what was happening, we as a congregation consider that an, an immense privilege. And I just wondered if we as a congregation could pray for them now. Uh, would you stand to your feet? Is that all right, church? And I'm just going to pray. Lord, we thank you for this couple in Jesus' name, that the hand of God is upon them. And right now, Lord, we are standing and declaring that that miracles and signs and wonders will follow them that believe. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that the weapon may be formed, but it shall not prosper, that the voice may be raised to accuse, but we condemn that voice right now in the name of Jesus. And we are declaring the plans of God into fruition onto their life. Lord, we thank you that the promises of God have gone forth and nothing can stand in their way. We bless them in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen and amen and amen. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, I'm just going to say it publicly and on record. I think this might be my second favorite campus. I do. I really do. I do. And I'm prepared to, for that to go on a recording. Papakura, I think, is officially my second favorite campus. So uh, you can go ahead and take your seven notes out. I'm going to uh, preach a message called I've Lost It. Um, but a uh, title just for uh, Adam Frost. Uh, this is also, you could also call it uh, The Elves and the Jackals Part 2. <laughs> you will only get that joke if you were here the last time I preached. Uh, and if you don't, that's fine. So, uh, Lord, I'm just going to pray for the Word. We thank you, Lord, for your Word, that it's living and active, and we want to be encouraged by it this morning, and we thank you that we will be. So, Lord, right now in Jesus' name, we're just opening up our hearts. We're opening up our minds. We're just coming under the Word of God. Lord, we come in submission to your Word, and we ask that it shape us and transform us in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Uh, for my 60th birthday, uh, my dad decided that uh, my 60th. <laughs> oh my gosh, it is the Elves and the Jackals part two. <laughs> I need you to know that this only happens to me when I come to Papakura. <laughs> for my dad's 60th birthday, because I'm not the female version of Benjamin Button. <laughs> uh, for my dad's 60th birthday, uh, we went to uh, Hawaii, which was amazing. And um, I was ama we went to Waikiki, the beach of Waikiki. And I remember one night, uh, one day I was out swimming um, with my sister and my dad and the water goes really deep really quickly there. It's this beautiful blue. So I was swimming in this amazing deep water and it was completely idyllic, completely incredible when all of a sudden uh, a sound pierces the idyllic beach and it's my sister screaming like an ex-murderer has come out to touch her and she's screaming, something touched me, something touched me. And uh, my dad immediately swims over to her and my sister adopts a fetal position in his arms and he begins swimming her back to shore. And I can't tell you what happened to me in that moment because instead of logically thinking this is the water, anything could have touched Kristen. It could have been seaweed. It could have been a fish. It could have been a bit of litter. I immediately think shark, shark attack. I'm like, it's touched Kristen and a 
that's about to come kill me. And so now my voice joins the throng of sounds that are coming from my sister and I begin shrieking. I too swim over to my dad and I try to get into his arms. Now bear in mind that we are in five meter deep water and dad has a decision to make. He can't swim both of his adult daughters back to shore and guess who he chooses? Not me. He literally says the words, Haley, get off me. <laughs> and so I just doggy paddle next to him. Dad swimming with my sister, me. Upset, doggy paddling. I did that move because that was literally the move I did in the water, okay? That wasn't an exaggeration. We make it back to the shore where suddenly a beach worth of people are staring at these two over 25-year-old girls who had to be rescued by their 60-year-old father. But there's something that happens when the pressure hits, right? You lose it. You lose perspective. You lose logical thought. You lose a proper understanding of what was happening. When the pressure hits, where things become overwhelming, when you don't know what to think, so often you lose it. And I was in the ERC office this week, and one of our staff members uh, used that saying, can't see the forest for the trees. I can't see the forest for the trees. And the moment she said that, it pinged with me because I wonder if 2020 has been that way for us. We've got so stuck in circumstance, so stuck in what's happened, so stuck on what feels like taking one hit after the other that we've lost sight, lost sight of perspective, lost sight of hope. Do you know what's really interesting? At the beginning of 2020, everyone was prophesying that 2020 would be the year of vision. And have you even noticed that vision was what was targeted? Because it feels like 2020 COVID scuppered dreams, scattered visions, killed off desires, killed off images and pictures of the future. And you might be here today and you're in that place where you're saying, I've lost it. I've lost perspective. I've lost hope. I've lost sight of what tomorrow may bring. And if you're in that place, you need to know that it's a trap. We're going to go to Isaiah 5. This is what it says. It says, I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. This is God's word to Israel. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. If you've lost perspective in this place, you need to know that God provides an avenue to regain perspective. I'm going to use this scripture because it talks about a vineyard. And you need to know that a vineyard is a common biblical metaphor. Uh, many times in the word it's used to refer to God's chosen people, Israel. In this particular scripture, um, it's referring to the people of Israel, but I'm going to take it more broadly as referring to the people of God because Jesus reuses the vineyard imagery in the New Testament. And so the principles that we can gain from this passage, I'm going to apply to us today. See, the Bible tells us that God treats his people like a vineyard. 
but not just any vineyard, a vineyard that he has selected the most fertile soil for, a vineyard that he has planted the choicest vines in, a vineyard that he has, he has cleared of obstacles, anything that would hinder growth. He's cut out a wine press to enable the grapes to actually do what they've been growing for. But also it says he builds a watchtower. He builds a watchtower in the vineyard. And what a watchtower is, is an inbuilt way for the people of God to regain perspective when they've lost it. You need to know today that inbuilt in the people of God is a method, a way to regain perspective. Now, firstly, I'm going to define what a watchtower is. Because if you come from a Jehovah's Witness background, the watchtower is a magazine. And I want to go back to the <laughs> biblical foundations of what the watchtower is in this message. It is firstly a high place, secondly, a strong tower, and thirdly, a summer house. You don't need to write really quickly. I'm going to break those down, okay? To the graphics person just freak out behind me? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I am so sorry. I should have told you I was going to do that. I will go through them one by one. We'll get it right for the second service, brother. All right. Firstly, it's a high place. Inbuilt into the people of God is a way for you to regain perspective. Because how many people know that you don't see clearly when you're seeing from the ground floor? Sometimes you need an elevated position. Sometimes you need a different vantage point, And that is what the watchtower gives you. See, the watchtower served two specific functions. Firstly, the watchtower enabled you to get a better view of the threats and the dangers that was before you. I need you to know today that you do not have an adequate view of the threats and danger that surrounds your life from the ground floor. Because how many people know that a danger looks bigger when you're facing it head on, but you get up the watchtower and you realize that actually that threat, that danger is not so big at all. See, the watchtower was an elevated position from which you got a different view of the vineyard and you could see the little foxes, but I'm not going to preach that one today. But you could also see over the wall to see the threats that were coming. Listen, if you want to have a good view of the actual danger that faces your life, you've got to get up the watchtower because the, from the ground floor, you'll overblow it. From the ground floor, you'll be blindsided. From the ground floor, you won't see the true threat or danger. You've got to get up the watchtower. But this is the one I wanted to preach. The watchtower also helps us to see growth. This is what it says in Song of Songs 7.12. Let us go early to the vineyard to see if the vines have budded to see if their blossoms have opened and if the pomegranates are in bloom, there will, I will give you my love. That's a contextual statement. I won't get into that. See, the truth is this. Sometimes we only use the watchtower to see threat or danger. And let me be real today. We've spent too much of 2020 looking for threats and danger. We're look, we've spent too much time for looking for what might assail us, what weapon has been formed against us. And you need to realize that that is only half of the function of the watchtower. You also went up there to see growth, to see where the people of God have blossomed and budded, to see where the people of God have been pruned, to see where the people of God have borne fruit. And I need you to know that as I prepped this, I felt the presence of God on this point. 
See, too many of us have looked at 2020 for that which we've lost. Lost business opportunities, lower bank accounts, lost jobs, lost visions. And I need you to know that you need to stop looking at what you've lost and you need to start looking at what grew. Because friend, the thing that grew was you. You grew in compassion. You grew in resilience. You grew in strength. You grew in dependence. You grew in devotion. And friends, that is a much, much, much greater prize. See, listen, you might not have ticked the boxes this year. You might not have got the goals that you set. You might not have succeeded the way you wanted to, but friend, the thing that grew in 2020 was you. Some of us need to take a moment and get up the watchtower and look for the thing that grew because the thing that grew was you. Watchtower is a high place where you look for growth. Secondly, it's a strong tower. See, the same Hebrew word used for strong tower, uh, for for the watchtower in this passage is the same Hebrew word that would be translated for the the tower that went in the wall of a fortified city. And obviously that brings to mind the great passage in Proverbs. The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run into it and they're safe. So you need to know that the high place is not just a place where we regain perspective. It's also the place that we feel safety. So you need to go up the watchtower to see the threats that are facing you. But then you need to also acknowledge that that high place is a strong tower that you will run into and be safe. Let me put it like this. You can go up the high place and see the weapon forming, but then you can stand in the strong tower and know that it will not prosper. Come on, somebody. It's not just a high place. It's also a strong tower. And finally today, it's a summer house, which is an unexpected detour. But if you imagine this for a second, can you imagine actually how pleasant this watchtower would be? Hot summer's day. I'm going to paint a picture for you. We need it right now in New Zealand. Hot summer's day, High tower, exposed beautiful breeze coming through, amazing view of the vineyard and also out to the surrounding countryside. You can see why the beloved in Song of Solomon's took his like lady there, right? You know, it kind of makes sense. It's a, it's a beautiful place, right? And it's these evidence in scripture that it wasn't just a place where they went up, did a watch to see if there was danger, did a watch to see if there's growth and leave. No, there's evidence that actually the vine dressers lived there. There's evidence that actually sometimes the owner of the house would live there. And you need to catch this today, that the watchtower is not just a place that we go visit, we check out, then we leave. No, no, it's a place we abide. It's a place that we remain. Get this, it's a place that leads us to rest. Come on, when was the last time that you didn't just visit the watchtower, but you got comfy in it? You took some blankets and some pillows and you laid down and rested and abided there. Because actually the watchtower was not just a function of change in perspective. It wasn't just a function of safety. It was also a place that was designed to lead you to rest. Now about now you need some practicality because you're like, Haley, this is a great message, but I still don't quite know how to get up the watchtower. Okay, let's do that for a second. When I started uh, writing the practical points of this message in the first draft, the first point I wrote was that we needed to build a watchtower. And it was interesting because I sat on that point for a while and then I went back to the truth of Scripture and I realized it was probably incorrect. Because actually the repeated revelation of Scripture is not that the people of God build the watchtower, but the owner already has. And I need you to know today that the owner has already built a watchtower in the midst of his people. 
And what that means for us is that today we can quit building something that God has already built. Many of us in this place are burning ourselves out, endeavoring to find man-made ways to get new perspective. Man-made ways to feel safe. Oof, that would preach. I'm going to say it again. Man-made ways to feel safe. Or man-made ways to achieve rest. Do you know every time I go to sleep, if I look at my phone and Instagram, it pops up with an ad that's like, watch this and it'll relax your way to rest, to sleep. And I think to myself, man-made way to rest. See, the truth is all those things, they're well and good, but they're built in the pride of thinking that man can do a thing that God only can do. And listen, those towers may last for a moment, but towers that God builds last for a lifetime. In fact, they are towers of Babel in your life, friend, that need to come down. They're built of brick, but God-made towers are built of stone. So you've got to understand that God-made structures were built of stone. And this is where this message hits today. Because these stones that build the watchtower are the things that you and I need to step up on. Come on, somebody. If we're going to climb to the high place, if we're going to run to the tower and be safe, if we're going to rest and remain and abide. See, these are the stones that we step up on. Firstly, we step up on living stones. Come on, somebody. First Peter 2.5, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Do you know what living stones are? They are men and women of God who speak truth to you, who speak hope to you, who speak encouragement to you, who say, listen, your perspective is faulty. Do you want to borrow mine for a second? Do you want to step over here and get my view of this situation? Listen to me. If you have lost perspective, but you have not opened up to another believer. You need to step up on a living stone because that thing is going to be an avenue to a switch in perspective. Firstly, living stones. Second, get this, memorial stones. Oh, this will preach. Come on, somebody. Joshua 4, what happens? There's an amazing miracle. God delivers his people and afterwards he says, put 12 stones in the river so that every generation can walk past and say, what happened there? And you can recount. My God did it. My God led us to safety. Listen, if you're losing perspective, you've got to step up on some memorial stones, some testimonies of times God did it. God came through. God worked a miracle. And if it wasn't in your life, borrow someone else's. Step up on a memorial stone. Come on, how about this? Step up on an altar stone. Altars in the Bible were built from uncut pieces of stone. Listen to me, if you need a new perspective, some of you need to lay yourself down on the altar again. You need to remind yourself that your true purpose was not monetary. It wasn't about a business opportunity. Your true purpose was to know God and become more like Him. See, some of us this morning, to regain perspective, you need to remember the reason that you were created. To know and be known, to become like Him. Some of you, you need to lay yourself on the altar stone. And finally today, some of us need to step up on the cornerstone. Psalm 118, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Friends, some of us need to step up on the revelation that the Savior you serve is the cornerstone of all creation. 
He is the rock of ages. He is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit and fire. He is the Messiah. He is the son of the living God. Oh, come on, somebody. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the soon and coming King. Some of us need to step up on the revelation of who our Savior is. Actually, listen, when I say step up, I don't just mean believe it. I mean, there are some people in this place who need to declare it. And the band can come join me now. This is what it says as I finish in Matthew 16, verse 13 to 17. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he said, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. There's a great deal of wordplay going on in the Greek here. Uh, on the words rock and stone, too much for us to really lay hold of in English. But the crux of it is this, the rock that Jesus speaks about, the rock on which he builds his church is the rock of revelation that he is the declared son of God. Note that as Peter begins to declare who Jesus is, he begins to find out who he is. But what you might not know about this scripture is the important detail right at the beginning of the story. It says that the region, the place that this episode happened in was Caesarea Philippi. Now, if you asked any Israelite who lived in that time, what is the most pagan place in Israel? What is the place that is most turned away from worship of the one true God? What is the most unholy, not God-fearing, unrighteous place in Israel? they would have told you that it was Caesarea Philippi. So unholy, so unrighteous they believed it was that there was a literal place called the gates of hell there. And in this place, Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say I am? In this place, Jesus declares that he is the Messiah, the son of the living God. In this place, Jesus says, you're right. And on this rock, I'm building my church and those gates of hell will not stand against it. So I don't want you to get the impression that Jesus declared that in a safe place, that he declared that in comfort, that he declared that on a mountaintop or a meadow. No, no, no. He took his disciples to the scene of the crime. He stared down his enemy and he said, Oh, you gates of hell. Oh, all that rises up against this revelation. Hear what it is that I say to you that I am building my church and you gates of hell shall never prevail against this revelation. 
See, some of you have been in the watchtower and you have so clearly seen your enemy. And I want today for you to lay hold of the example of Jesus where you stand up in who you are as a believer, when you stand up in who you are as a child of God and stare directly at your enemy, at your obstacle, at the thing that is holding you back and you say, my God is the Saviour of heaven and earth. He is the wisdom of ages. He is the Alpha and the Omega and you may rise up against it but you will not prevail. Come on, there are people in this place and you see the struggle, you see the trial, you can see the gates of hell, but do you know what else you see? A victory. Oh, come on, somebody. I know I'm in Papakura, but can you get a little bit of Manurewa in you? Would you stand to your feet today? Would you help me preach this? Come on, somebody. I can see the obstacle. I can see the trial. I can see that which comes against me. But do you know what else I can see? I can see a victory. And I am prophesying to you that the gates of hell will not prevail against my God. Come on, hands raised across this place. Why don't you step up today on some living stones? Why don't you step up today on the memorial stone? Why don't you step up today on the altar stone? But why don't you step up today on the cornerstone? Right now in Jesus' name, Lord, I stand as a representative of these people. And I declare to every obstacle, to every trial, to every mountain, to every gate of hell that has risen up against these people, we say we see it, but we also declare that we see something else. We're seeing a victory. We're seeing the coming of the Messiah. I'm gonna see